0: This is Linux Reality, Episode 35, Fluxbox. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Chess Griffin. I'm the host of this podcast, Linux Reality. And this week, we are going to be talking about Fluxbox. Very cool window window manager for Linux. And uh, it's probably my favorite. So I'll get to that in just a few minutes. But... A few administrative items I wanted to mention right off the top, and the first one, a uh, big one for me is, this is old news I guess by now, a week old at least, but it's the release of Slackware 11, and I've mentioned this in the forums and in a couple other places, but Slackware is one of the three distributions that I use on a regular basis. I also use Debian and Arch Linux, but uh, Slackware, of those three, Slackware is the one I've been using the longest, and I've been a subscriber for several years, and I've... uh I e- emailed uh, Pat Volkerding from time to time about little things, and it's highly unlikely that he's listening to this podcast, but just in case he is, thanks, Patrick, for a great release. I'm very excited. So if you all have not checked out Slackware, I definitely recommend it. This is a great release. Very exciting stuff. Uh, the second thing I want to mention is I got an email from Anita from linuxbasics.org, and you all know her. She's in the forums, and she's uh, contributed some listener tips in the past, She let me know that LinuxBasics.org is starting a new uh, course, a free course, a free course on Linux that starts October 19th. And uh I think it's going to go for 11 weeks, maybe. I think that's right. But anyway, what I would do is go to linuxbasics.org slash course slash start, and you can get all the information. But as I said, it's free, and it's starting on October 19th. And Anita and Stefan and everybody else over there at linuxbasics.org really does a great job with some of these things, and, and I'm sure that this course is going to be awesome. So I think it's supposed to be for new users and for advanced users as well. So everybody should go check it out. The uh, third thing I wanted to mention was possibly adding a link to the AUG file right there on the main page of Linux Reality in each, you know, show notes. Right now I've got a download link for the MP3, and of course I have feeds for both the MP3 and the AUG. And you can actually download the AUGs directly. There's a secondary website called uh, linuxreality.libsyn.com. I mean, I wouldn't even bother going there unless you want to get the AUGs. It's pretty boring. But uh, when I use Libsyn for hosting the AUG files, or the, actually for both the AUG and the MP3s, they give you a free little web page. So I just use it as a place to send people to get the direct downloads for the AUGs. But it would nice be, be nice to put them on the main page. The problem is, is that these feeds are really picky. And since the, the main page of Linux Reality, the feed that comes from that page is what goes to iTunes, And since, you know, the vast majority of listeners to the podcast subscribe to it from iTunes, and also since iTunes users, you know, i.e. Windows and Mac users are kind of the primary audience, I really don't want to mess with that feed. So I've been poking around and asking around in different places, and I think it will be okay if I add the AUG file to the main website so it will appear in the main feed as long as it's second. In other words, iTunes picks up the first media enclosure that it finds, I think. This is what I've been told. So if the, fir, if the first media enclosure is an AUG file, it gets all confused. But if the first media file is an MP3, which, of course, iTunes supports and it doesn't support AUG, then it will be all right. The only problem, I guess, is that some um some podcatchers may actually download them both. I, iTunes won't, I guess, but I think others will. In fact, now that I'm thinking this through, I'm actually thinking it through as I'm describing it, um, Bash Potter, which is a script that Link from the Linux Link Tech Show wrote, that's what I use. And now that I think about it, I bet you if I put both in the main feed, I bet you Bash Potter will download them both. So, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to play with this. But I really want to put the the links on there. It's just, it's a combination of using WordPress, which is not really intended for podcasting. It's intended for blogging. And, uh, and it's just, you know, there's no easy way to do it. So it seems like it would be easy, but it's not. But uh, I'll figure out something. I don't know. Uh, so, We'll have to see how that goes. So you may see this episode with an AUG link next to it, or you may not, or it may just appear sometime. So I don't know. We'll have to check that out. I think that's it. Um, So uh, with that, let's get to the main segment of the show, Fluxbox. Well, Fluxbox is a uh, a window manager for Linux. We've been talking about window managers the last few weeks, talked about IceWM, XFCE, and this week we're going to talk about Fluxbox, and Fluxbox is one of my favorites. It's probably the one I use the most, although XFCE is right behind it. And then there's some other ones that I'll talk about next week, some some lesser-known ones that I've really been using a lot lately, and that's most notably OpenBox and RatPoison. But Fluxbox is sort of the old standby for me, at least. Uh, it's one I keep coming back to, and it's one that I know pretty well. Uh, so, I thought I'd go ahead and talk about it this week. And of course, whatever I talk about is probably not going to do it justice because Fluxbox is so cool and so powerful. But anyway, Fluxbox as a window manager for Linux is a, it, it's very minimalistic. When you run Fluxbox, all you get is a plain background, a little toolbar at the bottom, and that's it. Uh, if you right click on the desktop, you get a root menu, just like IceWM, that you can, of course, configure. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of customization behind the scenes that I'll talk about here in a minute. But, um, it's very, like I said, it's very minimalistic and, uh, it's really fast and it's just, you know, it works really well. It's been around a long time and it, it as far as the history goes, and I don't know all these exact details of this, so I don't. Ha- if I don't have it perfect, you know, please forgive me. But there was another window manager called Blackbox, and it was uh, well supported, well developed for many years. I, I used it several years ago. Very cool uh, window manager. Same idea, you know, and, but at some point the, 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 people stopped working on it for some reason. I don't really know why if the main developer just kind of quit or, 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 you know, put it aside. But what if, for whatever reason, Fluxbox kind of grew up out of Blackbox. Now, actually, Blackbox, I think, has come back. I think there's some new development going on with Blackbox. I have not checked it out at all. But, uh, but Fluxbox, uh, came from, from Blackbox, if you will. So, uh, when you, you know, as I said, when you run, Fluxbox, you really just get a very minimalistic, plain-looking um, configuration, you know, plain, plain-looking plain desktop, if you will. Like with IceWM, uh, there are some conf- well, before I get to the configuration files, I was thinking, let me just mention some of the features of Fluxbox. It's As I said, it's very minimalistic. It, it uses a root menu, just like IceWM, so when you right-click on the desktop you get a, a menu tree, that way you can have your shortcuts and, and commands to different programs and different things to use to configure fluxbox. Uh, it does not support any icons on the desktop. It also doesn't support any icons, any launcher icons in the toolbar. It does support icons in the toolbar for minimized windows, but you can't put little launchers there. At least at least not that I know of. It also has one of the other features of Fluxbox is something called the slit. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. And then the last sort of big feature, I guess, well, two, two more features is one is you can, you know how you have tabs in Firefox where you can have multiple tabs open? Well, you can tab separate applications together. So let's say you have, um, let's say you have Firefox open and you have a terminal open, two entirely different, oper- you know, two entirely separate applications. You can uh, grab one by the window using, I mean, grab the title bar of one window with the middle mouse button, which is usually the wheel that you press down, the third button on your mouse, in other words, and drag it over to the Firefox window, and the two windows will be clipped together, and there will be two little tabs at the very top. So you can flip back and forth between Firefox and the terminal in one window, uh, which is pretty cool. And then uh, the last thing that I I think is nice about uh, Fluxbox is it supports... Um, sort of pseudo-transparency. I mean, it's not, you know, real hardware transparency, you know, but alpha rendering, which is, you know, you can set the alpha shading for everything, really, the, uh, the the menus, the toolbar, all the little bits and pieces, so you can have some kind of fancy-looking effects. Not as fancy as XGL or anything like that, but still pretty cool, so. All right, about the configuration files. Like I was saying a few minutes ago, as with IceWM, Fluxbox is configured through text files, and you should have in your home directory when you install fluxbox, you should have a hidden directory called dot fluxbox if you don't you'll need to make that home make that little directory so open up a terminal in your home directory and type m k d i r space dot fluxbox you know period fluxbox and then you'll want to copy some of the following uh um, Files into that home into that dot fluxbox directory if they're not there already. These are the configuration files for fluxbox. There's one that's called init, there's one that's called keys, there's one that is called menu, uh, there's one that's called slit list, there's one that's called startup. Those are sort of the main configuration files for fluxbox. So let me kind of run through them here in order. Uh, Init, as you can probably imagine, is sort of the initial, it's the main configuration um, file for Fluxbox. It would be sort of the equivalent of the preferences file for IceWM, but it's much shorter. I mean, mean, the preferences file for IceWM was very big, but the init file is not that big, and it's a little cryptic. It's not usually very well commented, but you'll see things like, for example, session.screen0.toolbar.placement, colon, and then you'll see a setting, like top center, for example. The session dot screen part is, I mean, I won't get into the details, but basically you can have different configurations for different sessions and different screens. Like you can have different, um, different X servers running on different virtual terminals and you can have different screens. And so I think that's a way to have different settings for each. I'm not even really sure. I haven't played with it all that much, but the dot toolbar part is the what you're configuring. And then the dot placement is the config setting. And then what's after the colon is is what you enable, what you choose. So, so using my example, session dot screen zero dot toolbar. So what this is setting is the placement of the toolbar. And I have in mind top center. So my toolbar is in the top center of the screen. Another one is session screen zero toolbar width percent, so that's the percentage width of the toolbar, in a, expressed as a percentage of the screen of your of your monitor, 50 percent, 75 percent, 100 percent, that kind of thing. So you know it looks kind of confusing at first, but if you kind of look at the second half of each line, the toolbar placement or the toolbar width percent, it will kind of make sense. And there's lots of documentation on the internet about each one of these options. But that's the init file. Um, the next file is keys. Now, keys is great. Keys is the key bindings um, file for Fluxbox. And it's really easy to set hotkeys for Fluxbox. You basically just have, you know, the key combination and then the command for the most part. A couple little things you'll need to know about. One is, you know, um it's not as easy as iwm. You don't, you, you don't say Alt, for example. You would use Mod 1. The Mod 1 is the Alt key. The Windows key is sometimes it's Mod 4, or sometimes it's called Super underscore L. But, uh, again, the, the Fluxbox documentation and there's also a Fluxbox wiki that I'll, I'll provide links to both of those are very good at providing you some of the, some of the key control codes, if you will, for the different keys. But it's really easy. You just put in the the key combination and then the command that you want to run. Very simple. And as I said, you know, the nice thing about IceWM and Fluxbox and similar window managers is that once you make these configuration settings, you know, you're good. You're good to go. You can save the file and back it up and move it from computer to computer. So it works really well. One little tip. Uh, well, let me hold off on the tips. I'm going to get to a few tips here in just a minute. Some kind of cool little things. Okay, so the keys file is where you put your, your key bindings, your hotkeys for Fluxbox. Okay, the next file is uh, the menu file, and this is a great little file. This is where you can set your menu tree. This is where you can create the, the, the menu that is there when you right-click on the desktop. And it's sort of similar to IceWM. It's very easy, and you if you just look at it, you'll see that what it makes sense, but uh you'll see you know you either use brackets for for what the entry is whether it's the beginning of a menu or sub menu or whether you're uh, it's it's a program and you'll see begin is at the very beginning of the menu file you'll see exec in square brackets for for programs for shortcuts you'll see submenu in brackets to start a sub menu and then you'll see end in brackets when you end a sub menu or when you end the main menu and, you know, it's very easy. You're just kind of creating a tree of menus and submenus. And when you get to the levels of entering programs, you would put exec in brackets, space. And then in parentheses, you'd put the, the name of the program, and that's the text that appears in the menu. And then a space. And then in curly braces, you'll put the command. So, you know, you'll have exec in brackets. You'll have uh Mozilla Firefox in parentheses. Uh, capital M, capital F, you know, that's what appears in the menu, and then you'll have Firefox in the curly braces. That's the command to run Firefox, and it's really very easy. Uh, there's a couple things you can use to create menus automatically if you want, um, and at least it will give you a good place to start. One is a is a command called fluxbox-generate-menu. And that will—that's a built-in Fluxbox command, I believe. That will let you—that will generate a menu for you. But I've had better luck with uh, MenuMaker. It's another—it's a third-party little little script, little application that will create a menu for Fluxbox and a bunch of other window managers. You you just pass a, a, an option of what window manager you want. So you would do m maker. I think sometimes you'll put dash vf, and I think that makes it verbose or something. I don't remember. And then Fluxbox. And that's, you know, you're telling it to create a menu for Fluxbox. And then another option is to use a little third-party tool called FluxConf, F-L-U-X-C-O-N-F. And that's a little GUI tool. It has different little bits and pieces. And and one of those, one of the commands that comes with FluxConf is one called FluxMenu. And it's a little GUI tool to help you create a Fluxbox menu very easily. So those are some some options on creating the menu um, uh, for Fluxbox. And there's lots you know lots of other things out there on the internet that you can find to create fluxbox menus, but it's really not that hard so some so far we've got the init file that's the main configuration file we've got the keys file for the key bindings and we've got the menu file for the for the root menu that appears when you right click on on the uh on the desktop let's see a couple other um uh let's see another another um configuration file here is one called slit list now. The slit is a feature of Fluxbox. I think it comes from WindowMaker, and some other window managers have this as well. But the slit is sort of an invisible area of your screen, or it's, in, it's an invisible part of the of the screen where little dock apps can run. And a dock app, this comes from WindowMaker, are little GUI tools, almost like applets, if you will, uh, before the days of modern desktop environments with our you know, cool little laptop applets that run in the toolbar um, or the taskbar. But doc apps, uh, if you go to docapps.org, I think, or docapps.com perhaps, there's a whole bunch of third-party doc apps. And they're, you know, they're little system monitors and mail checkers and all this other kind of little little things. But the slit is where you designate, where you're telling Fluxbox where to put these things when you start them up. Because, like, Fluxbox doesn't support icons, so it doesn't really know where to put these things. And so the slit is sort of an invisible container where these dock apps are going to run. And the slit list uh, configuration file is a list of the dock apps that you want to run in the order that you want them to run in, in the slit. Okay. And so that was slit list. Um, now, a couple, let's see, some more points about Fluxbox here. As I said in the beginning, Fluxbox doesn't have icons on the desktop, so you can use a desklets or iDesk, one of the other options I've mentioned with in regards to IceWM. As far as changing the background image uh, for Fluxbox, you've got two options. One is to use the command called fbsetbg, and I think that stands for Fluxbox set background. And so the command, and then the path to the wallpaper. So you could do fbsetbg space. Slash home slash chess slash wallpapers slash and then the name of the wallpaper. So you can just run it once you're in Fluxbox from a terminal, and it will set the set the background. But it won't stick. So you can um, you you can run a command fbsetbg -l that stands for last, and that tells fbsetbg to load the last wallpaper that you used. So you can put that in your .init file, your .fluxbox slash .init file. Uh, or you can put that in your .xinitrc. That is a hidden file in your home directory that's got special startup things when you start the X server. That's what I tend to use. I use I drop things into .xinitrc uh, that I things I want started when I whenever I start the GUI. Uh, but so you've got a couple different options there. You can also use and this is what I actually use. I don't use fbsetbg. I use feh, and that's feh. That's a command line a graphical viewer. And if you do Fey space two hyphens BG dash scale space and then the path to the wallpaper, that will uh run that will load the wallpaper up. Fey will display an image scaled to the entire background of whatever you 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 know, whatever you put in the path. All right, let's see. Now uh you can also um as far as starting up applications, if you look in your .fluxbox home hidden directory, there should be another directory there called Startup. And if it's not, you can create it. And Startup, I think this comes from freedesktop.org. I think, if I understand it correctly, freedesktop is trying to come up with um, sort of conventional ways of doing things in between all the different desktop environments and, and window managers. And the, I think the idea is to have a directory called Startup where you would put in um, anything you want to run it at startup, and it could be just you know basically a soft link to an application. So let's say for example you have g uh, gkrellm GK installed on your system, which is that little system monitor, and you would just create a little soft link or sim link to that uh, application and put that sim link in the startup uh, folder, and it will start when you when you run when you run. Uh, Fluxbox or KDE or whatever desktop environment or window manager you have. So one way to uh, have things start up in Fluxbox is to put them in that startup folder, or you can also add things, again, to the .xinitrc file, which is in your home directory. That's a hidden file in your home directory that you know, has a bunch of commands. Anything that you want to run at x uh, startup, you can put in .xinitrc. So those are two options there. Um, let's see a couple other. Let's see another point here as far as uh, Fluxbox styles or themes. Well, they're they're called styles, and there's tons of them on the internet. You can just Google around. You can find some at Freshmeat and and lots of other places. But if you create a directory in your .fluxbox directory called styles, all you need to do is is unarchive or unpack the styles that you download into that styles directory in your .fluxbox directory. And then they'll appear in the root menu uh, when you're running Fluxbox. And you can just quickly select a new style, and it'll, it'll change very quickly. Uh, okay, two little tips here for Fluxbox. As far as um, uh, tapping the windows together, as I mentioned, you can just you know, grab a window by the, by the middle mouse button and drag it on top of another window. Another uh, little tip is there's a little command called FBRUN. Fluxbox run, which is kind of like a little uh, command uh, prompt that will you can type in a a you know an application to run uh, so you can you can bind a key combination like say alt space to you to run fb run and then you can just type in when that little little command prompt pops up you can just type in Firefox. And it's an easy way to launch a launch an application. I use this all the time. I actually use f no, I actually use g m run, which is a gtk2 version of fb run, but uh, just because I like the gtk stuff. But and both of them have tab completion. So if you run fb run or g m run and you start typing in f i r e and then tab, it'll fill in the rest. And the nice thing about g m run is it will when you run g m run it will it will have in the command prompt the last command you used so if you tend to type something over and over it's it's pretty handy that way so i think that's uh, more or less the high level view of fluxbox i really love fluxbox there's some great uh resources for fluxbox out on the internet and i'll put some links to them in the show notes I definitely, uh, definitely encourage you to check it out if you have not checked out Fluxbox. It's very unique. It's sort of uniquely Linux in, in my, in my sense, I think. And, uh, it just, you know, I have, I don't know. I just really like it. I just think it's really cool. And there are some other similar ones. As I said, Openbox is another one that I've used quite a bit and I'll talk about that at some point in the future. Uh, so, uh, just, you know, stay tuned for that. And I think with that, let's check out, let's see, I've got one listener tip for this week.
1: To start, press any key. Where's the any key? I see Esk, Kataro, and Pig Up.
0: There doesn't seem to be any any key.
1: Hi, Chess. This is Christopher from Trinidad and Tobago, and I have a listener tip for anyone who's interested in learning how to program in Linux. Now, this tip applies primarily to Ubuntu and Kubuntu versions 6.06. I don't know if it'll work in Debian or even in Fedora. I don't think it works in Zubuntu either. And what it is is basically that Ubuntu and Kubuntu, those versions of it, ship with a copy of Dive into Python, which is a Python programming book. Now, I think that it actually gets installed with it when you install Ubuntu. If it doesn't, just load up Synaptic, and then you can install it from there. Now, it's in HTML format, so you would access it using Firefox. It's located in slash USR slash share slash doc slash dive into Python. And, um, of course, Ubuntu ships with a copy of Python, and um, so you would access that from your terminal by typing in Python. And um, so, essentially, out of the box, you have a programming compiler and uh, and a teaching tutorial for getting you to learn how to program in Python. Uh, in a, you can also download it, the, the book separately. Just Google around for it. And there's also another Python programming book called um, How to Think Like a Computer Scientist. I think it's also free. I have a copy of it, but I haven't looked at it as yet. And you could Google for that as well. And... Um, that's pretty much my tip. I want to thank Chess for such a great show. It's a good resource for new users. And, a, and as a new user myself, I think it's cool that he will lay out the topics and the terms in um plain talk like that. So, yeah, that's my tip. Bye. Message for you, sir.
0: Hi, Chess. This is Clifford in Washington. I work as a field service technician for a couple of top-tier computer manufacturers, and I have a lot of driving time, and I really appreciate your podcast. It really is very informative, and I've learned a lot. And uh, keep up the good work, and thank you so much for such a wonderful podcast. Bye. Bye. Thanks very much, Clifford. That's a very cool voicemail. Thanks so much for doing that. And, you know, as I said last week, you see what's so great about getting the, both the listener tips and the feedback, uh, in your voices. I just think that really adds a lot. So, you know, please, you know, try to consider doing that if you can. So thanks a lot. Uh, Clifford, I do appreciate that. Uh, Let's see. Got an email here from Dave. Dave says, Chess, forget about changing the term podcast. (laughs) It is generic and everyone knows what it means. The last thing you want to do is lose a possible listener and convert to Linux due to misunderstanding. Keep up the fantastic work. I love your show. I'm new to Linux, but love the capabilities. I learn a great deal from your hard work, Dave. P.S. Now, please excuse me while I go hit the donate button. Thanks, Dave. That's very cool. Yeah, I think I'm gonna, I'm just gonna hold off on that whole changing podcast business. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's not the best term, but hey, you know, that's what most people think of. And at least right now, I've got, you know, other things to worry about. And if it, if using the word podcast helps some Windows and Mac users find this podcast, <laughs> and then maybe eventually switch to Linux, then I'll be happy to use the term. So thanks again, Dave. Uh, let's see. Got another email here from Keith. And Keith, this is an interesting one. Keith says, uh, Chess, I've been listening to this show for some time now. I think I came in around episode 22, and just recently I caught up. I've been really enjoying the show and have picked up a good, a few good tips and tricks. I'm a long-time Linux enthusiast and find that It is my operating system of choice, although I am forced to use other operating systems in my job. What makes me a bit different from your typical listener and enthusiast is that I am totally blind. I switched over to Linux back way back in 1995-96 as a sighted user uh, under Red Hat, but I had to put it aside as I was beginning to have difficulty traversing the GUI as my vision deteriorated. Around about 98, I found an open source project called SpeakUp. SpeakUp is a console screen reader that allows the blind community access to the console. By no means is SpeakUp the only alternative, though. Recently, I have switched from Debian to Ubuntu because of their philosophy and having built all available open source accessibility options into their edgy release. That's cool. I didn't know that. For the first time, I actually have access to the GNOME desktop using Orca and GNOME Speech. Hats off to the Ubuntu team. Anyway, I wanted to drop you a line and suggest that you might possibly do an episode on the various accessibility options under GNU Linux. I've really enjoyed your show and, and your approach to making the switch from wind blows to GNU Linux. Keep up the good work, Keith. And uh, Keith is a programmer analyst. Uh, Keith, man, that is a very interesting and very cool email. And uh, I, that's just fascinating to me to to hear about the accessibility uh, issues. Uh, with. I mean, you know, features of Linux. That's not something I have very much knowledge in and, and just don't know that much about. And I think that's something I really need to learn about and before I, especially before I do an episode, but you know, that, that would be a fantastic idea for an episode. I think either I need to get more versed in it so I can talk about it or I need to get someone to guest host an episode about it because I think that's a very important matter. I do some web design, some web coding on the side and uh, web accessibility is very important to me, but it's not something I've ever really thought about at the operating system level. So, um, I think that's really interesting to hear about Ubuntu and I did not know that they were really focusing on that. So that's, that's very cool. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm very, I just think that's a really neat email. So thank you, Keith, for sending that along. Thanks for taking the time to tell us your story and I'm really glad that you're enjoying the podcast. I think that's it for this week. Um, I've got several others, uh, emails that I hopefully I got back to everybody on. At least I'm, I'm trying to get better about responding to emails. It's, it's hard because I do get a lot. And so if I don't respond to your emails, don't worry. As I said, I do read them all and I'm going to try to work them as, in as I can. And I was fortunate to receive several more listener feedbacks this past week. So I've got a few for the next couple of weeks. So that's very cool because I, I really enjoy having that. All right, I think with that, I think it's time to wrap it up. Okay, well, that was another episode of Linux Reality, talking about Fluxbox. Good stuff, good stuff. I, I really enjoy it. Um, let's see. You can send me general feedback or listener tips to linuxreality at gmail.com. You can also call the listener hotline number at 206-338-6359, or you can use the free audio web-based recording. There's a link to that on the Linux Reality homepage. Just go to that, and it will take you to the audio site, and if you've got a microphone attached to your computer, you can just record it, and it will send it my way. So please do that. Please send me your recorded uh, feedback and listener tips if you can. Uh, for iTunes listeners, uh, stay tuned uh, to the feed. Just kind of keep watching it. If you see another link maybe to the AUG file in the main page, I'd appreciate it if you'd let me know whether it works or not. I'm going to have to test that out, I think. But anyway, hopefully it doesn't break. <laughs> that, would, that would not be good. Let's see. Next week, we're going to talk about some more window managers. I think I'm going to wrap up the window manager stuff with kind of talking about several of them, some of the smaller ones, I guess, the the ones I haven't used as much, but that I have something that I'd like to pass pass on. So until then, this has been Linux Reality Episode 35. Catch you all next time. Bye-bye.